Laura Stasi, and this is Dating While Gray, the grown-up's guide to love, sex, and relationships. On this episode, stories of facing a brand new day. I have a confession. These past few weeks for me have not been so very different from how I spent the six weeks before COVID-19 forced us all to stay away from each other. In those six weeks, I was working so hard to get this podcast off the ground that pretty much all I did was work. And when I wasn't working, I was walking the dog. So I wasn't doing any of the stuff I would normally do every week. I wasn't going to bars or restaurants. I wasn't meeting up with my running group on the weekends, wasn't going to my yoga studio, wasn't going to church. I still have plenty of work to do, and the dog still needs walking. But there's something about not being allowed to do all that other stuff that's made me really think about how I've been living my life. And I'm starting to feel like I've been wasting precious time that I could have potentially been spending with a special someone. I'm not beating myself up and I'm striving to not feel anxious, but I am giving thought to figuring out a plan for my life, not only for when it's safe to mix and mingle with other people, but right now, what can I do to keep myself motivated to potentially make new connections? It's a brand new day. Someone who knows what it's like to face a brand new day is Maxine. She's in her early 60s and lived most of her life as Max, a self-described alpha male. Max had lots of girlfriends and was married three times. But Max was restless and could never figure out why. It was toward the end of Max's third marriage when, unexpectedly, things just clicked. I was dating someone that was very adventurous. Okay, hold on. You were married. Yes. So you were dating someone or were you having an affair? we could go so we'll say dating someone (laughs) my definition is if your wife knows if your current if you were married at the time so if your wife knew you were dating her if your wife didn't know you were having an affair i was having an affair (laughs) no judging just just wanted to make things clear yeah no judgment at all and so um she said i'd like you to dress up as a girl and i'm like sure i'm comfortable with my own sexuality and stuff like that so um, she was a little petite thing, so nothing fit. So I met a, a lady online who was my size, who is now my best friend, and she just had lots of stuff to sell. I went to her house, and I bought a bunch of stuff, and she said, have you ever been dressed up? I'm like, no, nah, my girlfriend wants me to dress up. She was let's just make you up. So I put all the clothes on. She did all my makeup, got the hair on, got it all fixed, and turned me around in the mirror, and that was the answer to every question I've ever had in my entire life. Wow. What do you mean by that? I used to race motorcycles, drag race cars. I've raced stock cars on a big level, ARCA, NASCAR, uh, won championships, jumped out of airplanes. I'd get to the pinnacle, achieve what others couldn't, and go, eh, this is nice. Let's go home. Mm. And kept searching and searching and searching. You spend a lot of time just doing you know, type A personality stuff. You know, you walk in a room, you take control of the room instantly. People see it. It's just how you are. And how about the girlfriend that suggested this? Was she, how did she feel about this? Because it seems to me there might be a difference between wanting your man, I put that in quote mark, you know, wanting your man to role play. She loves it. 
Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, we're, we we don't see each other. She got a job and moved out of state and uh-huh. stuff, but we're really good friends. We talk all the time. It sounds like you almost immediately embraced the new you. It wasn't oh, like you had any um, struggle, or did you? Did you have I any? No, no struggle, none, which lo- lots of girls do. Um, um, there's two scenarios. You either know at a very young age and you fight this all the way through your life, which is horrible. Or there's the ones that later in life just sort of figure it out, like mm-hmm. myself. Mm-hmm. And you know, and my, and most of my life I've been looking, trying to figure out, well, what's going to make me happy? What's this thing? Um, and the way I determined that this is the correct thing for me is, is that I quit doing everything else that I did. Mm. I haven't raced a car, rode a motorcycle, done a- a- any of the you know skydived, a- any of the stuff that I did before. I just don't do. I'm I'm Maxine, and that's what I enjoy doing. Do you think there was something about being older that that led to your being able to make this transition, or did your understanding of gender identity change? Um, my understanding of gender identity changed just shortly before Caitlyn Jenner came out, and then literally just I mean I looked in the mirror and all the gears and clocks all lined up, and it was like yep. That's what I should have been doing all along. And I think people do get um, gender identity confused with sexual orientation. That is correct. Gender identity is who you go to bed as. Sexual orientation is who you go to bed with. The way I describe it is, here's 52 cards. Pick one. You're always right. Because <laughs> there's just lots of choices, you know. As a woman, is it more difficult to, I don't know, get somebody's attention if you need help? Or, you know, uh, I'm thinking when I go and talk to a repair person, I feel like they're talking to me like, oh, you know, little lady, is there a man in the house kind of a thing? I think my personality is still big enough that that doesn't happen. Um, I have no problems navigating anything, going anywhere. I have been in in a bar one time and uh, I had a guy messing with me. And the, what do you mean by messing? He was kind of being a little derogatory and saying some stuff. And the bartender leaned over and goes, don't let the hair in the high heel fool you. That used to be a man. <laughs> and the guy like, yeah. So, so it sounds like when you were a man, you were always coupled up. You had three marriages. You had a girlfriend. Can we talk about your relationship status today? Relationship status? Yes, we can. Um I'm in a polyamorous relationship with, with a woman, um, and we're a committed couple. You're in a polyamorous relationship with a woman. Correct. So does, can, for define polyamory. Polyamory is the ability to love more than one person at one time. Um, and it forms in many levels. Some are play partners. Some are committed couples that, you know, have really have a deep love and connection and want to have some sort of life together. It gets complicated because generally polyamorous couples wind up having other partners. Um, I don't at the moment have another partner, but my girlfriend is married. She has another partner and then her husband has, I think, three partners. I have a hard time with jealousy. Uh, so I can't even imagine dating more than one person at a time. There's, you have to uh, embrace the term compersion. 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 It is a polyamorous word, it, and it is where you are happy 
for your partner's happiness. Oh, that sounds like way too open-hearted for me. It, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, like, you know, I mean, I've I've asked my girlfriend many times. You know, she's been out with a date on on her girlfriend, spent the night. And I'm like, hey, did you have a good time? Like, yeah, we had a great time. Oh, you know, but so. she, you don't live together. No, we so do not. you live by yourself. And you used a term with me on the phone that instantly I knew you used the term nesting partner. Right. It's a description of the person you live with. Mm -hmm. It's a polyamorous term. Do you want a nesting partner? I think so. I think I'm at a point in my life that um, my transition has gone you know, along far enough to where I'm sort of settled into what it is. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I'm not a spring chicken anymore, and uh, <laughs> you know sometimes it's a little lonely. Even in the polyamorous relationship, it, it isn't like I have all, her all the time. So, what are you looking for in a nesting partner? Somebody you have a deep connection with. It really has to be you know on that level that you you know um, that you trust, that you really care for. I'd, I'd say you really have to love them really well and deeply. It isn't really a physicality thing, but you know generally really good. Lines of open communication where you spend a lot of time discussing a lot of stuff mm -hmm. um, is real good and really hard to do. Whether you're in a polyamorous relationship yes. or not, communication is tough. When you have two people that are that, or three or four, whatever, that are in that embrace polyamory and have studied it and gone ahead and understand the principles of it, discussion and compromise are, are a huge thing, mm. and it it tends. It tends to work out well. You find it easier to... Sure, because the person you're talking to is expecting you to go ahead and tell them things that they might not be comfortable with. And rather than blowing up and losing their cool, they're like, well, you know, that's that's a hard no for me. And I really, I can't go there. Let's discuss and what we can work out. What's more important for you right now? Do you want to find a person to, you know, a relation to have a relationship with? And if they don't want to be polyamorous, would you be open to giving up the polyamorous lifestyle to be in a relationship just with one other person? No, because it would be it would be a lie. Oh, okay. I am not able to honestly be monogamous. Um, and and if the person expected that, that would be hurtful to them. Mm. And you're attracted only to women. Well, we're on this podcast. Uh, I do like men. <laughs> Were you interested in men when you were a man? No, not at all. I was not interested in in men till before hormones. Uh, tell me about that. That is an amazing situation. <laughs> the hormones? Yes. Oh, you like the estrogen, huh? I love estrogen. I miss my estrogen. <laughs> yes. Estrogen does uh, wonders to the male body, and it's interesting how little you have to put on the on the seesaw to tip the scale. So no regrets? None, not at all. Um, I, I, well, the regret, yes. I wish you would have figured this out earlier. My interview with Maxine was in early February and I called her just a few days ago to catch up. Like a lot of us, Maxine is feeling stressed. Her business is suffering. The transgender women's conference she was looking forward to is on hold and she hasn't been able to get together with her girlfriend. Maxine says they're keeping in touch through phone calls, but Maxine doesn't want to do any video chatting because she thinks it would make her feel worse. But when I told Maxine that's a good excuse to not worry about doing your hair or putting on makeup, Maxine told me visual presence is still important, even if you're the only one who knows how great you look. 
After the break, writer Leslie Morgan Steiner's brand new day. Hi, it's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday, May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianereem.org slash book club. Dating While Gray would not be possible without support from you, our listeners. That means going to wamu.org and clicking Donate. We're dedicated to putting out episodes and being here for you, even while we're all at home. Head to wamu.org right now and show us your support. And thank you. Leslie Morgan Steiner has written four books. Two were memoirs about her two marriages. Her first marriage was to a very abusive man, and it took a lot of courage for Leslie to leave. Her second marriage lasted 20 years, and in many ways, she needed courage to end that one too. Leslie's memoir, Naked Truth, talks about facing life as a newly single 50-year-old and reclaiming her identity as a sexual being. I wanted to talk to Leslie because I read Naked Truth and was really impressed with how easy she made it seem to make romantic connections. We talked in December, and I began the interview by asking if she felt any pressure to stay married that second time. After all, there was nothing horrible going on. In some ways, I did feel that way for a long time, and I stayed in it unhappily for, I'd say, almost 10 years. We had kids together. And I wanted the children to have as much stability as possible. And it took a long time for me to let go of my fantasy of a happy long-term marriage. Eventually, I couldn't deny that I was so miserable in my second marriage that I wasn't doing anybody any favors by staying in it. The decision to divorce was absolutely mutual. The marriage died on its own, and we both were in agreement that we couldn't revive it. But my ex-husband did say to me that he, he thought that we would stay married like that, unhappily, forever. And I think this is really true of a lot of men, too. He wasn't very focused on our marriage. It didn't matter that much, much to him. Mm-hmm. He, his career really mattered to him, um, earning money and his, his various, uh, you know, outside the marriage goals mattered much more. It was like I was a really small part of his life. And... So when I brought up the idea that we should probably get divorced, this was validating but also horrifying to see the look in his eyes because it Mm. was pure relief bordering on a kind of joy. Oh, my. (laughs) Because he thought he was – I mean, he he, was like a horse that, you know, they thought they were going to be in a pasture for their whole life and then the gate opens and they realize they can run out it. And in short order, he said three things to me, which I will never forget that I write about in The Naked Truth. He said, well, obviously, I haven't been in love with you for many years. Oh, ouch. Then the second thing he said was that it would be a lot easier for him if I moved out of the house. Oh, well, hello. And the third thing he said was, had I, it was a question. He asked if I had given any thought to how soon we could openly start seeing other people. Okay, then. <laughs> and as if that wasn't enough, I know a week later, he said, you know, I wanted to, I want, and we need to talk again. And he sat me down and he said, I wanted to let you know that I, I've started working on your severance. 
your severance. And I just looked at him, horrified. He said, wait, wait, I mean, I mean your settlement, our settlement. But it really was so transactional. It was this, you know, as in his, he said, in his eyes, I was being fired or let go as his wife. How long after the split did you start thinking, you know, how long did it take before you thought, I need to get myself back out there? It took a year. And it wasn't that I needed to get myself back out there or, or that I even wanted to get myself back out there. It, I spent a year just glorying in being alone because I had given too much and I'd been codependent. So I, I needed a year to find myself again and to just sleep in the bed by myself and eat whatever I wanted for dinner and not argue with anybody and not worry about anything. And after a year... I didn't start thinking about men at all. It happened incredibly serendipitously, um, as if the universe had arranged this for me, that I met a, an incredibly handsome, wonderful man in an airport. I accidentally knocked over his coffee in an airport. And in the, you know, me over-apologizing for it and sort of begging to buy him another cup of coffee... Um, I realized that he was flirting with me. And how did you ascertain all of this? I just started feeling it. Like I started thinking, wait, 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 I felt this before. I felt this feeling. What is this feeling? And, you know, he would be, he was like giving me these long smiles <laughs> and his eyes were sort of like twinkling at me. Oh. And he was leaning in and he was asking me questions. Men had not asked me questions since I had been married. And I'm not exaggerating. I had been invisible to men since the day I got married. Um, and or at least I thought I was invisible to men. And that particular guy, um, he really had a thing for older women. And he was the first person who called me a MILF. Mm. And I thought that he was saying milk with a K not with an F. I, I just, I was so naive. I just had no idea. And in case anybody doesn't know, and we're not going <laughs> to use the entire mother, I'd like to. Yeah. Uh-uh. Mom, I'd like to. Vi- vitamin F. Yeah. As I would, <laughs> I would call it. We eventually did something that I had never in my life done either, um, which is we, we arranged to meet in a hotel to have sex. And I had no idea if it was going to be like really smoking hot so or it was sleazy. Spelled or, out. You had it oh, was it no was dates. so explicit. Okay. We talked on the phone many times. He lived in another city, um, but we talked on the phone. We flirted for weeks and weeks and weeks. But the entire time, from the first conversation, it was crystal clear what we what the plan was. And that was okay with you that you weren't necessarily looking for a relationship. You just <laughs> it, wanted to. It wasn't just okay. You just Laura. wanted to be an, a, a milf. <laughs> I just, you know, I hadn't had sex in, I think, three years at that point. And yeah. um, he was really handsome and incredibly flattering and into me mm-hmm. and interested in me. And he made me feel, even just over the phone, he made me feel beautiful and sexy and valuable. Were you then or are you now looking for a committed relationship or are you fine with just meeting men and having sex? I quite intentionally and strategically decided that I didn't want to have just one man like Dylan in my life, Um, that I needed more so that I didn't get overly bonded to one of them and sort of codependent all over again. Um, And so I decided that I wanted to have five boyfriends and boyfriends in air quotes. It's really that I wanted five lovers. But it wasn't just sex. I don't think that such a thing as casual sex exists. I think that sex is always more than something casual. And I wanted... Yes, I wanted sex, um, but I wanted the men to to heal me. 
And I'm a feminist, and it's taken me a lot of inner searching to be able to admit out loud that I needed men and that I needed a lot of them. Mm -hmm. And my favorite lover was one who used to stroke the cellulite on my stomach, <laughs> like my the part of my body I, I hate the most. Yeah. And he would just say, I love this part of you. Oh. You know, it's so soft and this. And I, I started to see myself through men's eyes, which was a wonderful way to see myself, believe it or not. The thing I have found hardest is where do you meet these guys? I mean, I, you know, I belong to a running group. I go out to the movies. I go out with my friends. I go to a church. I feel like either just out of habit or maybe nervousness, I don't scan the room, so to speak. You know, I'm like, okay, I'm there to do this. I'm going to sit there. Tell me what to do. So this is what you have to do. First, you have to see the people who are already there. Then you have to um, understand what you like and have faith in your judgment. Once you start to trust that you do have this inner picker that, that works, then you get to the part that I think is really hard, which is when you see somebody who you like, <laughs> you've got to go talk to them. And that's what we women have a very hard time doing because we're not taught to do it. And men are yeah. taught to do it from the time they're 12 years old. You know, we are... Human beings are animals, and we have a lot of um, ability to communicate with people without using words. I think words are great, but I think that you can get a sense of whether the person is turning towards you or turning away from you. Mm -hmm. Are they buried in their phone or are they smiling back at you? And I will go on those cues, and if the person seems like they're open the way that I am and friendly, I will strike up a conversation with them. And then you just wait and see. Is the conversation going smoothly? Is there an easy way to say, oh, here's my card. I'd love to, you know, have coffee sometime. Mm -hmm. it, it's easier than you think once you get into the groove. After our interview, Leslie and I hit the streets of D.C. so she could show me how to open my eyes to the possibilities of making romantic connections. That's after the break. Are you following Dating While Gray on Facebook yet? We're posting lots of stuff while we're working from home. You can get updates as soon as you log on to Facebook by searching for Dating While Gray and liking our page. We're back, and Leslie and I are outside of the WAMU studios. So what I'm going to do now, we're walking down the street. Yeah. And I am going to play out loud... Yes. The yes-no game. Okay. And this is a wonderful game for anybody to play. You can play it with a friend. You can play it with a lot of friends. You can also play it alone in your own head uh -huh. anywhere you go. All right, this so man, we're, we're approaching a man with yeah. a young child. That's a no. I, because you said you don't. Because like. I don't like men with young children. Okay. So that's an automatic no, even yeah. though I'm thinking, oh, he's kind of attractive. Right. And I agree. He was attractive. Also, you can... Um, the. I, I sometimes even play this, even though I'm heterosexual, I play this With looking women. at women. Okay, wait a minute. Here's two more. Okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. No. No. <laughs> you now, guys you and I, right, we might have the same taste. We yeah. might have different tastes. Um, yeah. So that you, what you're asking, it's a, it's a very quick yes, no. Are you yeah. interested in that person? Yeah. If you were sitting next to them at a okay. party, would you talk to wait them? Wait a second. You got one on your no? right. What we're looking to do with ourselves here is yes. to see who we're attracted to and also see, I mean, how we've been walking along a not very crowded street for half a block and we've yeah. seen 10 men. Okay, there's a guy over there. 
And I say no. No, too young, too skinny. Right, exactly. For me. So yeah. people give off a lot of information about who they are and what their personality is like. Yeah. Oh, this is so good. Here's a big yes. Isn't he cute? Well, yes, but he's so young. I know, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because we're not looking for a mate here, and we're not... This is a game, okay? So you're just getting to know yourself better. Leslie, you bring up a great point, because I am too focused, I think, on, is he the one? Yes, and you cannot do that. Yeah. You can't be looking. That's yeah. why this is a quick little game. Yeah. So what we're trying to do is teach ourselves, show ourselves, that there are so many people in okay. every walk. I mean, we're just standing outside a metro. Yeah, I've got two and of those here. I say no. Oh, I love bald guys. Okay. Oh my God, that guy was cute. You don't think so? Um, All right, so let's, yeah, you tell me what's going through your okay. head. Okay. Uh, see, I'm having a hard, I, I really need to retrain my brain. Okay. And because also, I'm looking at right. husband? No. <laughs> You are not looking for a mate here. Yes, okay. We are just, we're really looking for a friend. Yes. Do we you like not... beards? That might be a, oh, that one's a no with that beard See, going down was a yes. I love and he's an athlete. Okay. So uh, I like that a lot. Okay. I'm sorry. All right. Um, no, that's good. Yep. But it's interesting that you and I have different things. Yeah. But see, I, I think you've got to cast a wider net here. Don't okay. think so much about it. Okay. And you are not going to marry somebody who you're seeing coming out of the metro. Okay. Is that a yes or a no? Uh, no. Okay, and tell me why. Just I quickly. don't like the way he's holding the bag. Okay, see, is that weird? So no, no, it's so good. That says something about somebody. He was clutching it like, yes. yeah. Okay, so this is so good. So how does this feel to you? Um, like I'm a stalker, but okay. only because I've got equipment. So okay. I think it looks weird. Plus, my eye is dripping and my hair is flat. I mean, I feel like I'm a big old mess right now. I don't feel like my best self. Okay, let me tell you. I think you look really pretty. Oh. You look like you're having fun. Um, you look like you're not taking it. I mean, like, I would definitely s smile as I walked by you. Oh, I would be a yes? You would be a oh, yes. You would be you. a big yes. You would be a yes, too. Well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> and so what the next step is, that you would have to go and say something to one of these people. Okay. And you would have to, one of the yeses. And you would have to just say something very innocuous, like, oh, it's cold. Okay. You know, or something like that. Okay. Okay. Is that a yes or no? It's a yes except for the bow tie. Ooh, See. I get you. I get you. Yes. He's a yes. Hello. Excuse me, sir. <laughs> Hello. Well, it would be a yes. He just, he's not paying. He was on, he was. Totally absorbed in his phone. Yes. Hi. Maybe. That's a no. Hi. No? Hello. No, they're not interested. No. So yeah. why would we pursue somebody who's not absolutely, interested? Absolutely. Absolutely. Hi. But anyway, this is about us, not them. What do we like? Because at this stage... I want somebody to say hi back. No, you don't. You just, you are totally focused on yourself. Oh, oh. And what do you like? And so uh, when we maybe. find somebody who you like, okay. uh, I want you to imagine that no. you have to go up to them and give them your card. Hi. Hi. So I got an A for effort and instincts from Leslie but I didn't end up doing this again on my own. And now I can. But boy, you better believe, as soon as it's safe to get back out there, I will be out there. As for Leslie, I checked in with her recently. She's social distancing at home in DC, has a handful of men friends she's keeping in touch with. But she says that now she's really interested in a long-term relationship. So she's mainly focusing on herself and what she wants and needs in a long-term partner so she'll be prepared when it's safe to get back out there.
Now, I'm not giving up on making a new connection, even though we all know how tricky that will be right now. I want to find some alternatives to keep us going, especially after I heard from a listener named Nancy. Hi, Laura. My name's Nancy. Uh, It's one of the last days of March, and I was listening to a couple of your podcasts while I was cleaning my kitchen, and a lot of the stories rang true. I wondered if you would do a story about being alone, being solo during the pandemic, and how for those of us who have decided that we probably are permanently single, whether we like to be or not, how that removes the idea of that spontaneous, cute meet meeting and the idea of social distancing as another barrier towards becoming a couple rather than a single. So I asked you, what are you doing to connect with other people while we're all physically distancing? Hey, Laura, this is Michael calling from Richmond, Virginia. And um, my wife and I were separated for a while and are now cohabitating in in kind of this interesting times during the uh, COVID uh, staying in time. And it's been interesting. I think the one thing that's gotten us through this so far, although it's still potentially early, is trying to just be very um, loving and forgiving of each other. And I am trying extra hard to do that and try not to be um, too wrapped up around small things. And that has definitely been helpful. Uh, We are both work from home now, and um, that's been certainly an added stress. The house feels smaller right now, and I like my space. So when this is all over, I do look forward to returning to having some space, but I do look forward to looking back and saying we handled the stress well, and um, that is a good thing. Thanks very much, Laura. Love your show. Take care. I'm Leora Hoffman, and I'm a matchmaker calling with advice during this pandemic. Emailing is preferable to texting because you give people an opportunity to express themselves thoughtfully, you get to see how they articulate themselves in writing, and the recipient can respond at their own pace after reading and digesting the content of an email rather than through a text where an immediate response is often expected. Number two, phone calls. Psychologists tell us that hearing someone's voice, if appealing to the other person, actually produces the same endorphins as being in their presence. And finally, FaceTiming or Zooming, whatever uh, platform you may have. This certainly beats getting in your car, going to a location, parking, spending money on a date, and commuting home. The search for love is not put on hold during this crisis. I actually did try to sign up for a virtual speed dating event, but by the time I got around to it, all the spaces for women were taken. But it was still open to men, so I told my friend Robert about it. He signed up, and the next day, I called him for the details. When I go into these things, I wonder how can you close the gap between expectations and reality? And I think the gap in it between expectations and reality in this case is very wide. <laughs> very wide. Tell me about what you did. You signed up, bought the ticket, and uh, then you got invited through a set of emails to go ahead and join 
uh, the Zoom meeting. There was a moderator of the meeting and she helped guide everybody um, into the dating rooms. Generally, it was pretty well organized. So did you only see people one at a time or was there any point where you could see everybody else who was out there? Initially, you saw everybody else who was out there. So you were able to also see the men that were participating as well, correct? I did. I took a look at uh, the competition, so to speak. And? I was not that impressed. (laughs) (laughs) So you thought your chances were pretty good. I thought they might be okay. How did you start each conversation? Well, good question. Sometimes I started out uh, offering up a short description of myself, myself, and sometimes uh, I asked them to tell me about themselves. Did you wear pants? (laughs) (laughs) I did. Yes. Uh, Video is tricky. You have, I think you look older and you look overweight on video and that doesn't help when you're dating while gray. Right. So, and this group was for 40 and up, right? It wasn't just, so there were significantly younger people there. There were. And uh, I met a few of them, but uh, really just one that was, I'd say the most significant, younger and attractive woman uh, Uh I met ended the date prematurely. And uh, canned out of the date, said she had to go to the restroom and left the date. (laughs) No, that was not a good sign. Ouch. Yeah, that was an ouch. So overall, are you happy you did it? Did you, well, first of all, is there anybody you met that you would like to follow up with? Not really. Oh. Now, will your mind change if somebody follows up with you? Uh, Maybe. I sort of doubt it. I think I blew some of my introductions. What do you, what do you um, mean? Uh, I just came off maybe too much like myself. Um, but I think it all goes to this gap in expectations in video and media. Anytime uh, you're not staged properly, you can look a little off the mark. Gotcha. And uh, if you go and show up without a collared shirt, hair messy, every blemish showing because the lighting isn't right, you will get probably zero interest. I'll tell you that. Some people use backgrounds, which I thought was helpful. Oh, like what kind of backgrounds? Beaches, uh, cities, condos. Oh, that's a great idea. So this, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying this is not as good as meeting somebody in person. But during, yeah, but during this, weird time that we're on. Is this better than nothing? You know what? For this time, it probably is. Luckily, cabin fever hasn't gotten to me. I had a vacation right before this. Yeah. Uh, But I imagine by the end of June. Yeah, that video chat might be looking good. June. Oh, is it really going to be that long? I think I need some more inspiration for getting through this very trying time. I'll share with you something that's working right now. I have on repeat the Van Morrison song, Brand New Day. My favorite verse goes like this. And the sun shines down all on the ground, and the grass is oh so green, and my heart is still, and I've got the will, and I don't really feel so mean. Here it comes. Here it comes. Here it comes right now.
Dating While Gray is produced by Ponzi Rutch, Patrick Fort, Ruth Tam, Julia Karen, and me, Laura Stasi. Our theme music is by Daniel Peterschmidt, and Patrick Fort mixed this episode. WAMU's general manager is JJ Yor, and Andy McDaniel oversees everything we make here. We'd love to hear from you. Send an email to datingwhilegray at wamu.org or follow us on Facebook. Search for Dating While Gray and like our Facebook page. Or you can see what I'm up to on Twitter at Dating While Gray. And of course, leave us a voicemail, 202-895-GRAY. That's G-R-A-Y. Dating While Gray would not be possible without the support of WAMU's members. Support us right now with your donation at wamu.org. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next time with more stories of Dating While Gray.